0: investment Brought to you by Impact Alpha From Impact Alpha Media this is Returns on Investment a show about the impact investing marketplace live on tape from New York I'm Brian Walsh head of impact for the financial technology company Liquidnet On today's show, we're featuring a conversation between David Bank, Editor-in-Chief of Impact Alpha, and Manuel Lewin. Manuel is the head of responsible investment at the Zurich Insurance Company. He's also one of 27 signers of the Paris Green Bond Statement, which is a commitment by institutional investors to the development of long-term sustainable global markets in green bonds, as part of an overall climate finance solution. Let's jump to the conversation between David Bank and Manuel Lewin.
1: Welcome, Manuel Lewin, to Impact Alpha's Returns on Investment podcast.
2: Hi, David. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for uh, having me.
1: We're very eager to, to hear from you, in particular because of the scale of investments that Zurich Insurance Group manages. I think it's something like $200 billion, and we've been tracking... The, the shift of capital, uh, the allocation of capital uh, into impact sectors, in particular climate I know you've been involved in. I was taken by a article that you posted last month called The Big Disconnect. So I want to get into not just the sort of happy talk or the utopian fantasies that sometimes take place in in this field and into the actual um, nuts and bolts of well, what it takes to really allocate capital in, into these sectors. But first, just tell me w- what you do. You're the head of responsible investment for Zurich. What does that mean?
2: That's correct. Um, look, we, the, as you said, uh, we, we manage a large part of money. And our ambition is to manage that money as a responsible investor, which first and foremost means for us that we need to do two things. We need to do well. Uh, We need to generate attractive, risk-adjusted, long-term investment returns. But we also need to do good and have a positive impact. Uh, And that's what responsible investment for us is all about. It's about doing well and doing good without trading the two off against each other.
1: Now, just to be clear, Zurich is an insurance group, and the money you're investing comes from insurance premiums? Is that is that fair to say?
2: That's absolutely correct, yes. We're not a third-party asset manager. We do manage um, what we what we call our own assets, but it's essentially the the premium dollars that we collect from writing insurance policies. And so, you know, the, the money that we invest is essential. It's a shareholder's money, it's a policyholder's money. And so we see ourselves as much as an asset owner, as, a, as we see ourselves as an asset manager.
1: So does that mean that your assets are responsible also for paying out not only to, to shareholders, but paying out when an insurance claim comes in? you, you this this is not some other pot of money this is the whole company right absolutely that is that is absolutely correct that's that's interesting so let's take it back to your domain and and actually trying to put this money to work and trying to put it to work in a responsible way and as i said what we, what i was taken by was your i think more sober assessment of the realities of being able to do that. I think, uh, you know, coming out of Paris in December, there was a kind of surge of enthusiasm um, about the amounts of kind of capital that would be mobilized for the low carbon or, or zero carbon economy, the, the end of the end of fossil fuels and, and the rest of it. But you say, you know, there's a lot of steps between here and there. So tell us what you're seeing in, in your own work about, about that deployment of capital.
2: Yeah, and let me, let me maybe just take a, a very quick step back and uh, tell the audience what, you know, what kind of things are that we, that we're trying to do uh, and provide that context. Right. And then let me go into some of the challenges that I see with that specifically when it comes to climate risk. Um, so essentially, uh, when we think about responsible investment and how we can marry those goals of doing well, but also doing good, there are three areas uh, on which we focus. The first one is, is really uh, ESG integration, which we view very much through a, a economic lens, if you will. We are firmly convinced that ESG do impact the risk, goal, not only the risk, also the, the opportunities associated with the assets in which we invest. And that is true whether that's an equity or a, a, you know, a bond or a piece of real estate or a private equity fund investment, really across asset classes. So ESG integration is the first thing we're focusing on, and in a way, personally, you know, I think ESG integration over time will be very impactful because uh, it has the potential to alter the incentive structure for everyone who seeks to raise capital in the market. If ESG gets priced well, then people who access capital markets, better deal proactively and strategically. with was ES&G in their business. Um, but that's, I think, more of a long-term story. And so to have a positive impact in a more immediate way, the second uh, part of our approach really focuses on, on impact investing. And for us, impact investing, in the end, is really all about intentionality, measurability of the impact, and yes, Profitability, since uh, you know we, we 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 obviously need to generate a return that compensates us for the risk. So that's the second element, and the third element in, in our overall approach is acknowledging that we can't achieve any of this alone, or even just with a handful of other of 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 others. Uh, we can only achieve our objectives if the market as a whole move towards really mainstreaming these responsible investment practices. And so working with peers and other market participants and, and supporting that is an integral part of our approach. So these are the three things that we're
1: that we're doing. Why is climate risk such a hard thing to get our hands around?
2: Look, I think climate risk is extremely complex on the one side and it has this long-term dimension, look, I mean, the first thing I would say is that climate risk goes way beyond just looking at a carbon footprint. In fact, I think, you know, the carbon footprint in and off itself of a specific investment or a portfolio is pretty much a meaningless figure. I mean, what, you know, say so carbon footprint is X. So what? What does that mean? What you do with that figure? If you look at climate change, the way we see it, there is a whole series of physical impacts that are likely to happen, accelerating over a very long time frame. Um, and those physical impacts are very complex. It's weather-related, you know, agricultural productivity, it's migration patterns. I mean, there's a, there's a whole slew of secondary effects that come with a transformation of climate that will happen at different points of time in, in different regions. And, of course, you know, you have the scientists who are trying to model this all out, but this is fraught with, with a lot of uncertainty about the details of what exactly is going to pan out, where and, where and when. So in and of itself, climate science is, of course, something that's very complex. And these things are going to happen uh, over time. And, of course, markets are supposed to be a discount mechanism. So you want to discount all of that. But there's all this uncertainty around it. So, you know, how do you really deal with that? Now, I think what makes financial markets unique, and that's also a big difference to kind of the insurance side of things, is you have regulation in a way that can bring a lot of these Physical risks that might only materialize in 10, 20, 50 years, or even beyond that, forward in time through policy action. But again, that is, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty around that, around, you know, what exactly could happen when and how would this impact which player in the industry. So there are all these question marks. And of course, your average portfolio manager or analyst is, is neither a climate science expert nor a policy expert. So I think you can't just expect that somehow, you know, magically uh, these things end up in people's. DCS and and relative value analyses, right? Because the data and the tools are really not available. And it's not like you can just take a carbon footprint and in a smart way turn this into data points of spread or adjustments to PE multiples. A separate issue, you know, is, is what you brought up. like, How can you allocate in a smart way to kind of solutions? how can you allocate to to assets that are that are going to be well or that part of, that are part of the mitigation and adaptation solution. And again, I, I don't think that's something that's very straightforward and traditionally strategic asset allocation um, you know, is performed at a level of of asset classes, or you know, we, we we do that level of risk factors, and then translate that into asset classes. And obviously, you know, you, you do that on the basis of historic performance and risk and correlation data, et cetera, And you you know, you kind of feed your optimizer model, and and that's how you do your allocations. And and you know, institutional investors don't generally do their allocations around you know a thematic area or a topical area. You know, give you an example. You mentioned infrastructure. So, you know, infrastructure debt is actually a, an asset class that we invest in. And so, you know, part of our strategic asset allocation is going to be, you know, we want to have X percent in this specific asset class because of that specific risk-return profile that it, that it offers to us. And then we're going out and trying to, you know, diversify a portfolio within, within that asset class. And there's no optimizer or optimizing model that would tell you ideally how much of your infrastructure allocation should be in renewables. And what people typically do is they just kind of go with the market. They want to diversified portfolio and so they're just going to have in their portfolio their share of renewable deals that kind of reflect the share of renewables in the broader pipeline. The good news here is that we are seeing a lot of renewable assets in the pipeline, um, but we're investing in these renewable deals because that's what the market currently has to offer, and it's a fair share actually of the overall deal flow and in, in, uh, in infrastructure debt. But but it's it, it, you know if you ask the question, well, you know, what should the optimal allocation be? And couldn't you do more? Don't we have to do more if we actually want to want to tackle the problem? Uh, then the answer again is there's no kind of simple, straightforward, or standard way to figure out, well, what does that optimal
1: allocation look like? So you're seeing more uh, deals in the pipeline that are investable according to your criteria, and so you can allocate to that just on the basis of what, what the market has, but do you weight it in some way? You say, okay, this deal is... Is got some better risk profile because it's renewable. It's got some better impact output, as you say. You know, because you, you're you're concerned about climate change, or, or is it just turned out to be now institutional grade deals, and you'll look at it just like any other deal. To for John, it's the latter.
2: Which, by the way, again, I think that's that's great. I think that's actually that's very good.
1: I just want to close with uh, reading a couple lines from this post, which we will link to on on the site. You say, I think what's needed now post-Paris is a sober conversation with the people in the front lines, analysts, portfolio managers, risk managers, asset allocators, about what they need to reflect climate change and investment decisions. It's good to get a dose of optimism infused every once in a while, but now let's get to work. So... uh I appreciate the work you're doing and I appreciate you being with us here today. Thank you, Manuel Lewin. Well, again, thank you very much for having me on NCVALPA. Great.
0: Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Returns on Investment. If you like the show, subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Overcast, or wherever you listen to podcasts these days. And be sure to leave us a rating and even a comment. It really helps other people discover our show. If you don't like the show, maybe keep it to yourself? Just kidding, you can always send us an email with comments or suggestions. We love hearing from you. You can reach us at infoimpactalpha.com. For more on the Impact Investing Marketplace, follow us on Twitter at ImpactAlpha and visit us at ImpactAlpha.com. Special thanks, as always, to our technical producer, Isaac Silk. From New York, I'm Brian Walsh. On behalf of all of us at Impact Alpha, thanks for listening to Returns on Investment. Until next time.